I don't know why I so confidently told you what children the corn's about. I don't fucking know. It's <laughs> <laughs> just one of those guy moments. Sorry. <laughs> why chromosomes? Sometimes it just gets you. Well, Jessica and Zach, from the day they were born, they started watching comedy because it was on. She was a golden girl. He had Seinfeld on the brain. They said a nine-year-old Frasier fan might just be insane. Harry and the Hendersons, Mindy and Mork. Now Jessica and Zach get together and talk. They'll never say the sitcom's glory days are gone. They'll still watch it because it was on. Because it was on. Because it was on Because it was on Because it was on Is it too early to set up a Patreon? And I'll call it Because it was on 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 Welcome to Because It Was On, the fancy film podcast, but for people who would prefer to talk about that episode of Gilligan's Island when Skipper loses a turtle race and Mr. Howe wins Gilligan as his new houseboy. A houseboy. A houseboy? But where on this island would one find a houseboy? I'm Jessica, and I tried a new TikTok makeup tutorial, but now everyone at this party mistook me for a drag queen, and now I have a real Victor Victoria thing going on, so they'll still think I'm pretty. And I'm Zach, and my boss found a new and interesting revenue stream by laundering money for a drug cartel, Mm. and now we've got to eat all of these gas station muffins that we claimed that we sold before the IRS gets here. I never quite know how to transition from whatever insane fucking thing you've just said into, well, folks, <laughs> it's not a good way to do it. At least not one that I've stuck the landing. So we'll get there. We'll get there. But for now. Hey, Zoomers, you young people, you rad youths out there. Um, I see you. I want to let you know. Jessica and I both want to let you know. Mm-hmm. We see you. We do. And you got the witch talks. You're bringing down whole presidencies yeah. with your magic potions, your lotions. Um, you're, you're killing lizards, maybe. I don't know your deal. And I don't presume to know your deal. But Jessica and I want to let you know, mm-hmm. we, we're cool, too. Mm-hmm. We're cool, too. Millennials we are. are cool because we got a little thing we're going to talk about mm-hmm. called Vessel Raven. Hey, now, say now, about to put down. Yeah, come on around with Ray We're down with the mysticism and the future telling. Uh, we know. We just She sees into the future. Yes. It's the future she can see. If you haven't guessed it by now, <laughs> we are talking about um, powerful youths. We are talking about the girlies. The young, yeah, the girlies. Uh, the girlies, they got powers, y'all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raven, that's a Raven. She can see the future. Wizards of Waverly Place. They are casting spells, hexes. Uh, they're fighting vampires. Curses, maybe. Yep. And then we have a little something <laughs> called uh, Small Wonder from the 1980s. She's fantastic. Made of plastic. She's Microchips here and there. She's a small wonder. Uh, this precocious little tyke is um, <laughs> fully uh, a robot. Fully a robot. It's like if Pinocchio was somehow even darker. Yeah, small wonder. <laughs> it's just like a. It, it, it's like a liminal space of a sitcom. It is like a sitcom 
that they would watch in other sitcoms. Yeah, that's absolutely. the vibe. Like it is, it's like an SNL skit that is just like real somehow. Yeah, <laughs> or like again, I'm relating to the Zoomers, guys. I am so fucking cool. Uh, get ready for this one. It's it's the sitcom that you can watch in the back rooms, like. It's what you watch. You walk. You go into like an empty office space, and there's just one TV, and it's playing Small Wonder. It's playing Small Wonder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels like it was made as like a government experiment um, that they were like trying to to play something like under the laugh track to indoctrinate you. There's just a sense of deep, unsettling disease. When you watch Small Wonder. I kind of get the satanic panic now. Like After watching 80s. Small Wonder? Yeah, there is a cursed vibe to it. Yeah, if you play like the Small Wonder theme song backwards, you hear the true name of God. It's just like some... Okay, we'll get to it. Small Wonder... I watched it for the first time. It's a strange uh, show. For this week, and it was, it was a ride... And we'll talk about it. I do Strap like, in, folks. I do have a little game that I've I've quietly been playing while we've done this podcast, Zach. And it's the shows that we've gotten to before we talk about The Office. And <laughs> I do love that this week we added small wonder to the list of shows we talked about before The Office. If we ever do The Office, which we fucking won't. Um <laughs> It's going to begin with the intro is going to be just sort of like um, a, a audio slideshow of all the shows we've done before we got <laughs> to the office. <laughs> yeah. Small Wonders on that list. We got The Neighbors on that list. I guarantee you Bosom Buddies is going to come before the office. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For <laughs> sure. For sure. It's just uh, quite we a We don't even hate it. <laughs> yeah. We, do, we actually quite like The Office, both of us. It's now just a bit. And if there's anything we're going to do, it is commit to the bit. It's what we do. It's what we do. We are committed. See our two-hour documentary on Sean Hunter's trans. <laughs> <laughs> we committed to that bit. We absolutely committed to that bit. Um, but I got to tell you, with small wonder, uh, my plan yesterday in researching was to take an edible and watch small wonder. And I took the oh. edible, and I was too weirded out. I was way too deeply unsettled by watching it. I had to turn it off. I couldn't do it. I was deeply unsettled within the first five minutes. I, that's a bad trip. I get it. I thought it was oh, going to be like, this is going to be silly and campy. And it was just deeply disturbing. I was, I was fully disturbed. Profoundly disturbing. Profoundly disturbing. <laughs> when we went to Washington, D.C., uh, we... We had some gummies and we were just getting like burgers and we were in line and you just like grabbed me and said, I am not okay. <laughs> so <laughs> if that's what like being high in a burger place is like for you, <laughs> I watching Small Wonder, that that was so good. Yeah, it was no good. Well, we've already talked a little bit, Zach, about the shows that we're going to talk about. Um, let's let's introduce them to the audience. We have That's So Raven. Okay. Um, so let's quickly introduce our show. So we have That's So Raven, which ran on the Disney Channel from 2003 to 2007, starring Raven Simone. 
We have Wizards of Waverly Place from 2007 to 2012 that also ran on the Disney Channel. The big breakout star from that one was one Miss Selena Gomez. And then we have Small Wonder, the most batshit insane television show from 1985 to 1989. Uh, And I learned something interesting about television as I was researching Small Wonder. I wanted to know what network aired this. Who, how did that, how did that come to be? And what I discovered is that Small Wonder is something called a first run syndication show. Have you ever heard of this concept? No. So this is a show that is produced literally to fill airtime gaps across networks. So it's not attached to a singular network, but it's designed to just be slotted in wherever so that um so it's net- literally a liminal space sitcom. it's a liminal space sitcom it's so that networks don't have dead air so it was created and sold to a bunch of different networks specifically so they don't have dead air it's a liminal it's, space sitcom it's just packing peanuts yeah yeah it's <laughs> okay. the liminal space of a television show so i had never heard of that concept before uh doing small wonder research and it tracks it tracks but it has something of a cult following We're, we'll get to it I believe it. So briefly, uh, plots of these shows, and then Zach, we can talk about our own personal connections to them as as we kind of go through. So That's So Raven is about Raven Simone. Uh, She, well, not about her. It's about Raven Baxter, played by Raven Simone. And she is a psychic teenager. So she consistently gets visions of the future. And she has to essentially navigate her day-to-day life while getting these visions of the future and she has to interpret them and determine her course of action based on the vision. But literally always, no matter what she does, she ends up causing the thing to happen. Yes, it is. It's It's a Sisyphean task that Raven has. It's a cruel, cruel curse. Yeah. She's (laughs) like, it's just the, the spirits from the beyond who've given her this power, just constantly gaslighting her. Yeah, it's it's just like there is a sitcom god just like staring over her and being like, I'm going to give you precisely the most useless information. <laughs> I think And you have to figure it out from there. Goodbye. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Um of all of these, Zach, this is the only one I watched growing up. What about you? Same. I love that so Raven. Raven Simone is one of the great physical comedy actors of our time. Like she is, she's fantastic. She's an incredible comedic actress. Yes. Um, She has, uh, she's, she's serving face. Like she is able to, to mold her face uh, and tell you exactly what she's thinking. I loved it. I love the fashion. I thought Raven was always like, like, Okay, we talk a lot about Lizzie McGuire and Lizzie McGuire about the fashion. Lizzie gets a lot of flowers and she should get them. She has great fashion. But please do not sleep on Raven Baxter. She is mm-hmm. serving looks in that so Raven. And like feather boas just to outfit. Feather class. boas. Yeah. Just <laughs> heading off to accounting class. Feather boa. Pink stiletto pumps with orange flare low rise pants. Serving looks. Stunning. It's amazing. Um, so I loved that So Raven. Watched it all the time. It was mainly for Raven. I also really liked Chelsea. One of my uh, favorite like side friends. Yeah. I love Chelsea. I don't 
know what it is about the Disney Channel, and this this is true for Wizards of Waverly Place too. But if you got a girl as your protagonist, you better believe she's going to have an artistic best friend. Yeah, yeah. That friend is going to be able to do art always. Yeah, it's just a art friend, and then you have sort of like your side boy who Definitely. is like pining for you. Definitely. It's like a very specific formula to like Disney mm-hmm. teen girl shows is that you're going to have your protagonist, you're going to have a friend boy who's in love with the protagonist, and then you're going to have an art girl best friend. Oh. I always wanted to be the art girl best friend. I'm the Gordo, <laughs> just by default. <laughs> but uh, I, I do resent like the the side boy getting with the main character. I just hate it. I, I ship, basically what I'm getting at is I ship Miranda and Gordo, and uh, I resented that uh, Gordo ended up with Lizzie. Yeah, you prefer a Hermione-Ron situation? I, oh, I'm big on Draco and Harry. Those two were obsessed with each other. <laughs> There's something going on. Plenty of fanfic supports that theory. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of oh, fanfic. Let me tell you. So, okay, okay, okay. This is getting cut for sure. Uh, <laughs> this is just for us. So my friend kept referencing, like, Archive of Our Own, uh, which is, like, ground zero for just the filthiest fan fiction that possible. Every fucked up thought you could possibly have about pop culture. It's in there, baby. And I, I had always known that that was there, and that was, like, the place outside of the Pride Lands. You don't go there. <laughs> and but uh, my friend kept mentioning it and like well this is changing my opinion of what this website is what's going on and so i go to the harry potter section and i just try to find some shit and i i ended up reading like this fucking novel uh that was like the plot was basically uh and it was so poetic and beautiful and like lyric it was like a novel it was like mm-hmm. this was talented writing yeah. Um, and it was like a slow burn. All of this was just like a natural consequence. Mm-hmm. Of like everything just made sense. But it was a fan fiction that was Draco um, was a, a piss pig. And he just really... <laughs> <laughs> he just re- he had a humiliation kink. <laughs> but, but it was like wrapped up into like his guilt over his privilege and like his family's complacency within like uh, the, the dark world and uh, so he's like and so he just had like humiliation thing as a way of like absolution it totally made sense this author was fucking brilliant but a fucking pervert <laughs> like the things that they made Draco do and then like so he falls in love with Harry um and this is the cul-de-sac of all cul-de-sacs <laughs> but I have to get I have to purge this <laughs> now it'll be my burden yeah so um so like they he gets with Harry because they they go to like a piss pig he goes to a piss pig club and then like he sees Harry Potter uh boy that lived and so like they meet up and they're doing like humiliation kink one-on-one instead of going to clubs and then there's like a slow relationship that's burning and there's like this teaser of like you have your humiliation kink but I actually have my own secret kink but I have to be comfortable enough to like let you know and so like that's the drama that's why I read the whole thing okay what's Harry Potter's kink yeah what's Harry's kink now I'm dying to know I got it's like in the last few chapters and it's just so like because they emphasize so much that like the trauma that Harry had to go through and like he lived like 
putting a reality filter on growing up inside of a cupboard and like being beaten by Uncle Vernon, like really just emphasizing that. And so like that he's a broken human being that like society, who's a sacrificial lamb for this wizarding society. And, um, and so he, so basically he was like, I, I'm, I don't want to take care of or worry about anything more. Um, and I just want somebody to take care of me. So will you please put this diaper on me? <laughs> Um, that's so beautiful you're like I want this for you Harry so Harry's an adult baby huh yeah he's a, that he was into that oh wow Not for sure that's so raven okay let's go what a thing to lay on me and then say back to let's so raven holy shit um, I literally just had to get that out of me it couldn't be in my head alone you know the 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 women and it, it it's mostly women who write this stuff. I like to think that I like know a few of them, and like this is just what they do in the evening. It's like it, like you, if you got a Kathy Geist at your office, this is definitely yeah. what she's doing. <laughs> this is what she's doing. <laughs> he has like the voice of like fucking James Joyce, <laughs> just like like a talent of the age and she's just writing the most perverted <laughs> shit about like Sherlock I fucking love it I love it honestly this is not talent wasted it is talent unrecognized it is this is it's the medium of our time it is it's the a, medium the, of our time this is fan fiction fan fiction is where all of the talented talented girls um, in high school who were viciously horny this is where they went it's just like it, it's it's late capitalism. It's just everything is a commodity, and so the main, I, the true art form of this age is not doing something original, mm -mm. but making your own art out of the commodities that already yes. exist. Yes, yeah. And so making beautiful things out of the properties that yeah. are already there. An archive of our own is just like a very like it's a very very kinky, slutty, dirty. Marvel's extended universe. Just the diaper reveal was it was a lot. I'm I'm assuming Malfoy did it. Of course he did because he he want at that point he was so deeply in love with Harry. Like Harry was so accommodating to like his trauma and like separating his kink from like his dignity in real life and like separating those two things. And and so Draco was totally like, you are loving me in this most intimate, customized way. I want to do it for you. And he's like, I want to wear a diaper. And I want, there's a nursery upstairs that I've already prepped. <laughs> and I want you to just be my nanny. Holy shit. Okay, so anyway, that's so Raven. That's so Raven. Uh, that's so Raven. I, I definitely watched it. <laughs> I watched it. Where are we on the time? Wizards of Waverly Place. Did you watch Wizards of Waverly Place? No, um, it was a little bit after my time. I wasn't interested. I had set yeah. uh, childish things aside at this point in my life. Yeah, uh, same. We were both a little too old, I think, for Wizards of Waverly Place when it came out. I was aware of it as like a cultural reference. I knew yeah. it was a thing. I had heard of Wizards of Waverly Place. Um, I had no idea what it was. So going into this, I thought Wizards of Waverly Place was like a school. Like I thought Waverly Place was a school that they were in and that they were all at Wizard High School. But um, I was wrong on that. 
It's a street. It's a street in New York City, uh, Greenwich Village, where they have a sandwich shop. Was not expecting wizards to have a sandwich shop, but they do. It's a subway-themed sandwich shop. (laughs) The father is of wizard heritage, and he has three children. They are... Alex (laughs) Arusso, played by Selena Gomez. Yes. Uh... It's going to be Justin, her older brother. Uh, played by David Henry. And uh, then we have Max, uh, the youngest brother, um, played by Jake T. Austin. Yes, yes, exactly. So there's the three kids. And Papa uh, was a wizard, but he's not anymore because he married a mortal woman. We see an old favorite trope recurring. And his three children learn that they're wizards, but there's a big catch in the weird fucking rules of the Wizards of Waverly Place, where only one child can retain their wizard powers into adulthood. And the children must compete with one another, and they're aware of that. So they must compete with one another in a wizard test at the conclusion of their wizard training to determine who shall retain their powers. For those of you that did watch it, could you just like uh, let us know threads tiktok wherever you want uh we'll find it i don't want to read the wizards of waverly place like lore wiki um how come they got to do the one wizard per family thing is it like (laughs) is it a finite resource yeah Um, is there only so much magic to go around yeah why they're like is it running out is it just like we we want to tear wizard families apart it's important for the wizarding leadership to destabilize the atomic family structure in order to maintain control and reliance on the wizarding state. Yeah, it is sort of like they found a cool hack to permanently keep patriarchy um, in, in a sense, because the nuclear family is always going to stay if like everybody is mortal and helpless in the society, except the one wizard in the family. So you're going to stick with it. That's really a, a different thing. A wizziarchy. Yeah, a wizziarchy. Yeah, it's a it's a good way to keep people fully reliant on the one Down with magical the person. Um, so then does the person who wins the wizarding tournament, like is the test of it really to just understand who will be most loyal to the wizard state? Just like tear the family apart and make them like compete with each other and then like have one head of the family now be an agent of the state. Um, that feels like they earned their place mm-hmm. and sort of sees you as the enemy. Yeah. This is. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is some next level, like, Hunger Games, like, mindfuckery. That doing. So that's exactly where I was going with it, is that I think <laughs> the people who run Wizard Society just, like, got a copy of the Hunger Games and we're like, we're doing this now. We're doing it, but we're going to keep it local and we're going to get it homegrown. Keep it within yeah. the family. Yeah. Keeping it artisanal, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, I don't understand it. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, and then we have um, our last show, which is actually our first chronologically, Small Wonder. You ever see Small Wonder before this, Zach? I did see one episode because um, the bit that we do in our intro, where you just ran <laughs> reference random episodes, I have to just go on a fun little scavenger hunt to find like an audio clip of that episode. <laughs> And so I had prior to the researching this saw I saw the drug bust episode. Actually, we should before we do our our fun little memories of it, we should say what small wonder is. 
So Small Wonder, as I mentioned, it's a liminal space television show created specifically to fill space in between ads on networks at random times. And uh, it is a television show about a man who works at the robot firm. And at the robot firm, he did a super secret project where he built his own special little robot for him. He built his own special little girl. And so he built a, a girl child robot and the robot firm got mad at him for it. So he snuck it out and now she lives with him in secret. And uh, his wife and his son also now have to deal with the robot child named Vicky. And, you know, they, they keep her up and going because he believes in the project. He believes in his robot daughter. But they have to yeah. keep her a secret because if anyone found out about her, he would lose his job. And so now there's seek, super secret, ultra powerful Vicky who they use as a um, as slave labor. Uh, as slave labor. Um, uh, it's just we in the year of our Lord 2023, we've seen lots and lots, all of us, uh, like robots becoming sentient and gaining self-awareness doing a scene in front of a mirror or like looking at a caterpillar and like shit's going through their head you know you know the tropes um none of that is present in small wonder <laughs> this is literally just like a ti-84 calculator yeah uh that they put in a dress and it looks like as much regard for a to as they like give a toaster yeah, uh, it's so strange. I'm gonna have to be so careful with this because I am brimming with takes on small. Brimming wonder. with takes, <laughs> I am to the gills with takes on small wonder. Because goddamn, is it a weird television show? It, I so I just don't know how to explain to you all how weird this show is. So like, I never watched it either growing up, but I knew of it as a cultural reference. Like, I've heard small wonder jokes before. I was one of those kids who, again, I'm because I'm weird. One of the great things I think we've lost as a generation, not as a generation, but as a culture, we've really lost shows that would run on cable that were just like a bunch of like random talking head type celebrities who would just like sit there and oh. talk about like memories of a decade. So yeah. gone are the days of I love the eighties on VH1 where they ran like, I love the eighties part five, where they go through every single year of the eighties and just like talk about shit that happened and like have some takes and yeah, gone was, are the it, days. It was just, if you were a D list celebrity, um, they just like set up a little ATM that you could pop in for a few minutes and like earn <laughs> like 200 bucks or whatever. Yeah. And then you did like Patton Oswalt would just sit down and be like, Oh, you remember the stretch Armstrong dolls? They were crazy. Yeah. And... It paid Michael Ian Black's bills for like an entire decade. Yeah. Like the early aughts were just Michael Ian Black sitting in like a metal folding chair somewhere in front of a green screen at VH1. Uh, and just talking about Hulkamania. Space Invaders was war. Zaxxon was war. The hell is Pac-Man? At first you got a few guys going, dilly, 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 and then you started seeing like these armies. You're like, just kill me now. You know, I can't do it. And so by the time they got to like, I love the 80s part five, they were talking small wonder. 
And so I was aware of Small Wonder as this cultural reference from media like that, that I, I think sadly uh, doesn't get it. It doesn't exist anymore except for us as our podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, not, and I'm not saying we're the only ones preserving this, but like podcasts, um, I think still do this and like random YouTube videos will do it, but it, it's not the same. It's not the same as when there are only like 50 channels and one of them is running this kind of shit constantly. So all of that is to say, I knew of Small Wonder from that. I knew of it as the joke, but I had never experienced like the deeply unsettling nature of Small Wonder. Just here, okay, so we are going to have to save some of this and put it on ice for like the section we have carved out for it, but just like to give you a hint of like what part of the fucked up nature of this is, the show makes very, very clear that while this is like a, a real child actress in a dress, um, not saint, not uh, sentient in any way, has no internal monologue, uh, just repeating it is a can opener, um, like, but they keep doing the most fucked up things to this girl, but we can see that it's a girl, a, a human child. flesh girl, and you're not, she doesn't have a bed. And she sleeps the dad, the dad, like gratuitously references spanking. Like I've never seen a show that references spanking this much. Yeah, like uh, he he just has like, and it's so creepy. The nature so of it is so uncomfortable because he'll just be like in sitcom dad fashion, be like, "Well, I got a lot of spanking to do." <laughs> it's just so, but it's uncanny. just like a, like he's referring to a a robot girl that they treat as in like a, a refrigerator that he is going to spank that he created. Yeah. Apropos of nothing. There's no real reason for this grown man to have put so much time and effort into building a anatomically correct lifelike doll child. The mother has like the, like call gets emotional it's like attached to the uh, the robot. We're gonna stop. <laughs> okay, no, no, no. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to. It. Oh God! I gotta stop. Oh God! Uh, I feel like I've been cursed. I feel like I've watched the ring video because I. I have to Small like get Wonder. somebody else to watch Small Wonder. <laughs> oh my God! That's the curse. That's the curse. Oh my God! Or he's gonna spank us. So okay, take it, take it back, take it back, take it back. I'm erasing everything, guys. We found the show. The show is so good. Have you not watched it yet? My God, you guys have to watch Small Wonder. Small Wonder is so good. It's fucking lit. They're doing water bottle flips. Uh, they got fidget spinners, all kinds of things. It's Watch so it, folks. fucking good. Do you it's think all up on YouTube? Do you think they bought it? Do you think they're going to take this curse away from us? Only time will tell. It's like an it's follows situation. Yeah, <laughs> we need them to watch it, and then they need to convince ten of their friends. <laughs> it can't get traced back to us. I'm s I'm so sorry, <laughs> audience. It's so good though. Like, watch Small Wonder. Ah, it's so good. <laughs> okay, just uh, so um. <laughs> This is a chaotic. We've been on a, a bender of chaotic episodes. Do you guys uh, still like us? Um, okay, so let's get rolling on this about the themes of exceptional girls, girls with power in these shows. Yeah, I kept having this thought that this is kind of a spiritual sequel to um, our boy mm -hmm. genius episode because we had this dangling question uh, that we never yes. really answered. 
in there. Uh, we struggled to think of a girl genius show. Yes. And um, we gave some like flimsy, like just chat GPT feminist answers to it. <laughs> like, um, but we didn't have any great insight on it. And we just moved on. Um, but I feel like I now understand like how our culture. One Wait, did thing, you have the same experience? One thing that you will consistently do, Zach, is you will, you will like neg every take we have on this show in later episodes. Every take we have, you'll be like, yeah, it was basically like the back of a shampoo bottle of like intersectional theory. Hey, listen, if you don't look back and cringe a little bit at your past, it means you're not growing. It was like three months ago. So we had this dangling question um, in our Boy Genius episode where we um, we couldn't think of a lot of girl genius shows. There, You can't throw a stick without hitting a Boy Genius show. No, not a lot of girl not genius Not a lot shows. of girl genius shows. Uh, but lots of magical girl shows. Lots of magical girls. Uh, and you asked me if I had the same thought that it was a spiritual successor. Um, and you already know the answer, which is yes, because we sent it to each other at the exact same time. We literally, we are obnoxiously like the Will and Grace trope sometimes. It's obnoxious. I gave us because <laughs> I was putting it in the outline literally the exact same second that you you put. Is this a spiritual successor to? <laughs> literally the same yeah. phrasing in the same way at the same time. So yeah, uh, sometimes that happens to us. Uh, and yeah, so obviously I think it's a very close spiritual successor because it is like the, uh, the genius trope is all about the exceptional, special little boy, special little guy. Um, and we don't have as many special little guys, uh, when you're talking about exceptional girls. Um, but you do have powerful girls. And so I think what you're curious to, and what I'm curious about is essentially framing the idea of the boy genius up against the powerful girl and the difference between the two tropes. Why, why do boys get geniuses or the genius framing and girls get power? Yeah. I, I think it's interesting. It's just so like, that's it. That was the key to the question that we had all those months ago, um, that how we manifest exceptionality, like the fantasy of having power um, with girls, it is, relegated specifically to like fantasy and sci-fi mm -hmm. um whereas boys have the much more um like it, it is possible for you to be a genius um and you could even delude mm -hmm. yourself as many do uh that you know i could be a genius if i wanted to but that sounds hard so i won't <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah um and so like you can sort of enjoy it on a more realistic plane Mm -hmm. Like, and there's a lot to that. Um, I think coupled with that is the idea that you often have to hide your exceptionality in the girl properties. We're talking your Sabrina, um, um, Raven, and that's a Raven she has to hide. Wizards of Waverly Place um, and... Small Wonder. Small Wonder. They're small all Wonder. hiding. They all have to hide. Probably more I could mention. But they they have to, like, hide their exceptionality mm -hmm. and i think it's just about our relationship with like feminine power and masculine yeah. power the only show like that i can think of of like boys with power that falls into the same trope 
uh, is fairly odd parents. Yeah, I kept thinking about that. Like, uh, I can't make a big... He had to hide, but he didn't even really have the powers. <laughs> was, no, uh, he just had, like, magical besties. Yeah, he was, like, the ultimate Nepo baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think the trope holds true for the most, like, the most part in terms of, like, our boy geniuses. Malcolm's allowed to get up on stage and his literal talent is I'm a genius. Yeah. And so he has like anxieties about like being marked as a genius, but that's different than like literally um like you fear for your safety should you yeah, be like exposed. The, like the in Wizards Sa- Council. Exactly. In Sabrina the Teenage Witch, like if Sabrina goes up on stage to debut her powers, she has to filter her powers through Magic Joel. Magic Joel is the star of the show and the magician, and she's the one behind the scenes actually using power on his behalf to make his show happen. Right. So yeah. I think that is like that right there is the very telling difference between the boy genius trope and the girls with, with power trope. Our girls with power um, are not as free to express that power. I think with this trope, uh, you see often that there is this pull of. Um... We talked about this in the Sabrina episode, um, this sort of like choosing like the mortal world, like mm-hmm. that trope of I just want to be a normal girl. So even though I have this power, it's often like I'm conflicted because I want to just be normal and set it down. Um, and because it like it separates me and there's like this gravitational pull to I just be, want to be with my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm willing to give it up to be with my boyfriend and to stop being powerful. Um, something you oft, don't really see that often um, in like male fantasy power shows. Yeah. So the, like, there's this uh, like ur- urge to like have the woman submit into a natural place. Like she starts with unnatural power, and then she has like some sort of like growth that she chooses to lay it down not mm-hmm. true in the wizards of waverly place um to be clear and completely irrelevant to small wonder because again she's a calculator <laughs> uh, but broadly with like sabrina and uh with, that's a raven she has mm-hmm. a very like antagonistic relationship with her power um it for very practical reasons but uh, yeah because her power continues to just like harm her <laughs> yeah so I, I do think like with especially Wizards of Waverly Place and That's So Raven, there's a discussion to be had there of around two things. One, this idea of just like wanting to be normal and wanting to be a normal girl and what that looks like. There's the idea of girl power and empowerment. And then I also think there's something to be said as well around like how these girls are frequently using their power. And what this says about them um, as, or what this says about girls and like what um, Disney is trying to tell us about girlhood. So Zach, I'm interested, which one of those threads do you want to poke at? Yeah, so That's So Raven is a good, um, it's immediately what popped in mind about how she chooses to use her psychic powers. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause she really, it's involuntary. If you haven't yeah, seen the show. Yeah, she doesn't quite get to control it. Yeah, so she gets her powers and it just pops, but it pops into her and she gets like a two second clip of something happening. Um, and then she has to like guess the context of it. And um, it's inevitable that that thing will happen. Um, it's like that flavor of psychic 
<laughs> like there's nothing she can do to change it. Yeah. Um, but, and often like the irony is that she ends up causing it. But if you, to your question, like how does she use it? What does that say about girlhood? Most of the time Raven, she's not like trying to save the president from getting assassinated. <laughs> That's not what Raven's doing. Uh, she's not stopping a bank robbery. She is yeah. like, managing social relationships and like trying to keep her friends from getting hurt or embarrassed mm -hmm. um and like really managing people and yeah. like worrying about people um, yes and yes. because she is every day she gets like from the ether she is like given a trolley <laughs> problem that she has to deal with by the universe and like, as like a oh 14 God. year old girl Okay, I now have a moral imperative to mitigate the damage of the thing that I saw, but I know for a fact that I almost certainly will cause it, or that it will happen at anyways, no matter what I do. Yes. <laughs> like, there is an episode where she's like, I'm not going to do anything, because that's just going, then I'll end up causing it, and then it happens anyways. Yeah. And she realizes the inevitability of her visions. Yeah, so it's all she can do is do damage control. Like... Every episode of That's So Raven is just like the vase from the Matrix where you see the vase break and they anything and everything you do ultimately like because you saw the vision, everything you do will lead to the vision happening. So it's just that every single episode of That's So Raven is that. But I do want to to call that out and um I feel like Zach, I'm I'm gonna like suck all the wind out of your sails, so I'm sorry about this. But you sent me an article. This is somebody's dissertation. Um, C. H. Hodel, the secret. Christina. Super... Her name's Christina. She's living the dream. Christina, yes, Christina Hodel. Uh, this was her dissertation: secret superstars and otherworldly wizards, gender biased hiding of extraordinary abilities in girl powered Disney Channel sitcoms from the 2000s. So yes, first of all, Christina's living the absolute dream. There's no better life than you just become a professor and you just write shit like this as your job. What I would give for my job to just be that professor from community who teaches mm -hmm. the who is the boss class. Oh, fuck. Yeah. There's nothing like I wouldn't get I want to you can get a in my ideal university you can get a degree in small wonder mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we're just yeah, going to process our trauma at least a minor yeah uh yeah. At, at the university yeah at the university I'm offering um but yeah like if the the Faustian bargain I would make uh, there's there's very little of my soul that I wouldn't sell for this to just be my job yeah I just we first had and I write, I write, I write like 137 pages on the many like hairstyles of Jesse Spano. She's one. If, uh, if you like this podcast, then um, you really should check out, I think it's called uh, Sitcoms and the Working Class, uh, because it really is like the daddy of the show or the mommy of the show. Um, it, it's very much modeled af off just going to be inspired by that, I think. Uh, and it's where I first had this thought um, because it's like your standard documentary where you get like talking heads that are just like coming in and saying the thing. Um, and it just had like all these awesome 
uh, like job titles, just like TV professor. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, one lady who's just like a professor of uh, like TV, she said, how did they afford that apartment in the Parkers? And I want that to be my life. <laughs> I want that to be my job. I want that to pay the bills. I want it so bad. There's uh, there's very little I would give. I, I like a recurring fantasy of mine. Is that my, like, my, I work for startups and that one of those stocks, like the ship will come in and I'll get off the island and getting off the island to me is that I just like fuck off and get a PhD in media studies and I'd be a professor for fun because I don't need the money. I'll teach at a community college. I don't care. I'll teach at Greendale and (laughs) I will teach the who is the boss class. That is a recurring fantasy, regular in my rotation. Um, And so- Christina's over here living the dream. She's writing articles about gender-based hiding in early 2000 Disney Channel sitcoms. And by God, I love it. And I was getting to this point. Go ahead. You you get to your point. And so the reason I brought her up is I was getting to the point of, and that's something she notes in her article, is when the powers are used by Alex or Raven, um to do something for themselves versus to do something else right or do something for somebody else and i think she said something along the lines of 75 percent of the time that magic is exhibited in one of these shows it is to help someone else it is in service of someone else and of these they are successful in like getting the fulfillment of the magic some like 90 percent of the time but then the remaining portion where they, they choose to do magic for themselves, they are only successful 30% of the time, right? So magic or, or powerful girls in these shows, when they, are, uh, when they are allowed to be powerful, that power has to be in service of someone else, right? Women take care of others. They, they are not in service of themselves. They're in service of others. And when they do choose to be self-centered, they're less successful. And we definitely see this in That's So Raven. Yeah. Um, like, if she's trying to cheat the system or any way, um, or, like, if she's getting a vision of, like, a test answers, I believe is one plot, she will, the Universal Punisher for this. Yes. Universal um, Punisher, no matter when what. When she thinks uh. it's the, the secret superstar talent scout, and he turns out to just be an undercover, <laughs> undercover, like, USDA. <laughs> regulator who has uh for some reason like high-tech earbud situation going on um which means that like that one girl did a full-on like lap dance for this man and he sat there and let it happen this like 14 year old girl um and this just to this random epa usda fda whatever regulator in this school uh, nobody was concerned about this random grown ass man. I'm- so you think she belongs in Undercover Superstar? Oh, I think you all do. <laughs> it's just too bad none of their talent scouts were here to see it. Yeah, and that too, what you just said. <laughs> Wait, I thought you were undercover. I am. For the health department. What? Aren't you looking for talent? No, I'm looking for bugs. Um, and so she is punished, but <laughs> along the way, nobody is concerned that this grown ass man is just walking around this school. Nobody's seen him before. He's just passing yeah. himself off as a janitor. I don't think so. 
and that makes me terrified for this school. Number two, yeah. it's very um, like pre there being a mass shooting every week. Like, <laughs> um... and number two, multiple teenage girls are giving him like full like I'm singing just to you for you. Literally, at one point, sitting on your lap, and you are just a grown man entertaining all of this. You're just there. You didn't check into the front office. That man did not. He didn't have a name badge. He did not <laughs> check in with the front he just office. Rolled up and got all these lap dances. And <laughs> From like everybody just let it roll. Girls, everybody yeah. just let it roll. Um, but yeah, so so again, you see time. that. You see this in That's So Raven, where she just like, uh, if she's not using, or when she is using her power in service of herself, it is an absolute guarantee that she will fail. This is so true of like this trope of like powerful girls, that there's always this moralizing about using your power responsibly and unselfishly, um, and, which is such a weird thing to moralize about because it's like, teaching a moral that doesn't have a real world like application to it so why are you pearl clutching <laughs> about mm -hmm. it's it's i don't know it's just strange to like be this holier than thou about the ethics of something that nobody is ever gonna have to deal with right um both tj smart guy and malcolm in the middle it's implied again and again and again that your genius is going to make you successful and wealthy in life. Facts. Um, and so it's literally just the most distilled version of like, greed is good, you have a talent, you can use it. And uh, we are encouraging that, we are taking it for granted that you are going to use this. Whereas lots of episodes are dedicated to the exact opposite for powerful girls. Yeah, um, absolutely true. Uh, explicitly stating you cannot and should not use your powers for selfish gain, whether that is monetary or otherwise. These powers, which again, it is repeatedly stated in Wizards of Waverly Place that they can stop time, that they can reinvent separate realities where they can go and live a lifetime and it will only be like eight minutes back on Earth. Um, Godlike powers that Alex has and maintains that she could use to do anything with reality. And the show repeatedly teaches her over and over and over again that the the only way to really use her magic is in service of others and never as a way to, you know, achieve greater heights for herself. Whereas, yeah, the message in Malcolm in the Middle, Smart Guy, and even young Sheldon, right, is that, like, you will use your genius in service of yourself. Take it for granted. It's the most natural thing um, that could happen. And it, it, they'll even like boldly show like other normal kids um, and like say, well, he's going to be successful and you're going to have like a tough life. <laughs> they <laughs> uh, other than specific, specifically, yeah. right? Like this, mm -hmm. the loneliness of genius, which we talked about in that Boy Genius episode. As our um, co-host, Christina Hodel, uh, PhD, mm -hmm. so astutely mentioned, this totally tracks with like Hannah Montana. In fact, there's a very good uh, comparison that you could make between two very similar Disney shows, which is Hannah Montana and the famous Jet Jackson. Um, the famous Jet Jackson, he is a famous, he's like on like a very famous like spy TV show. 
Um, and then like he goes to high school. And so it's all about being a famous movie star, um, like, and also going to regular high school and dealing with regular mm-hmm. uh, home down problems. But it's not a secret that Jane, <laughs> that Jet Jackson is who he is. Um, everybody knows. And like lots of plot points is about like, oh, the burdens of celebrity. Um, and that's how, that's the life Jet Jackson gets. But Hannah Montana, she has to remain normal. Normality is so impressed in all of these shows of um, mm-hmm. you need to hide your shine. Um, and so you need that normal life. You need to sort of like set it aside and submit to the norm and uh, take your natural place in the order because you'll love it. It's fun. It's fun <laughs> being with your friends. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of like pep and shine and glitter put on that message. But ultimately, that is the same shape you get throughout these shows yes yeah that that message is i would say underlined quite a bit and we do see like on the margins it 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 is like pushed back to some degree because alex does win the magic contest right Mm -hmm. against her brothers but that is not without like her along the way fully giving up her powers at one point because she just decided like the contest is too much and i don't want to it's hard and so yeah. her brothers didn't do that, but Alex did. Yeah. Wizards of Waverly Place was way more complicated than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I thought I was going to be able to like watch five episodes of it and just get get the vibe and then be able to like... There's too much going on. The generalizing. But man, there is some Wizards of Waverly Place lore. There is, there is canon. And so I don't want to, I don't want to get too cocky about what's going there on. Are over there are ups and downs and zigs and zags. There's lots happening in the Wizards of Waverly Place. Yeah. But before we move on too far from this subject of like, so I do want to say, using... I, I do want to like reaffirm that Wizards of Waverly Place, if you're at home and you're thinking, mm, I think this breaks the rule. Oh, fucking maybe it does. <laughs> but it does see in like some of the episodes that there is this like gravitational pull towards <laughs> the norm and the temptation of the norm. Right. What was I going to say? Oh, before we move on too far from this idea of like who you're using your magic to serve, like who who is that in service of? And the idea that that girls in these shows constantly have to serve others. I do want to say that it's notable as well uh, with, with That's So Raven, um, that Raven is a black character. And I think because of that more, there is more pressure on her, especially as like a black girl, to be the one who holds everything together in spite of herself and like whatever she's feeling or trying to do uh, and in service of others in service of the white, white girl and the black man or black boy in her little group. Right. And so here's my one and only attempt at a, at a, the, because it was on patented big swing for a take on these episodes. Actually, I have one for a small one or two, Uh, but this is my patented big swing. That's so Raven is almost a metaphor for how black women are forced to navigate in the world in the sense that the cultural trope that we rely on again and again, right? Of like the strong black woman who is supposed to be able to take on other people's burdens and successfully navigate the world and serve others always before herself. This is Raven. Raven is consistently serving others before herself. And in when she tries to serve herself with her powers, 
she's punished by the universe. But not only that, I'll take it a step further in the sense that um, Raven is trying to help others, but she is consistently only given part of the, the information, part of the privilege, part of the knowledge that she needs to be able to do so successfully. Again, we mentioned it in the Living Single episode, but like sort of the Melissa Harris Perry Crooked Room, where um, you know Raven, Raven isn't able to find true upright either because she's just given this little fraction of a vision every single time, but she still feels the responsibility to serve the others around her. Yeah. So it's, that is interesting because when you look at the other shows that we've talked about, uh, they all have that moralizing about you can't use your power selfishly. Um, And Raven gets that like quote lesson too. Um, But when you look at what the other girls are using their powers for, they pay lip service to that idea in Sabrina, the teenage witch, but she'll just regularly like manifest, <laughs> like fucking create an Italian chef to make her spaghetti, create a human <laughs> life, and then just poof them away when and she's then done. Like, that human life away. <laughs> <laughs> like, why did you give me memories of a daughter? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so they pay lip service to it, but uh, frequently they're just like using it willy nilly. Uh, same for Wizards of Waverly Place. Uh, they're more than happy to use it for their own entertainment or for their own material needs, but they still, for some reason, just decide that they need to moralize <laughs> about this non existent issue. <laughs> Young girls um, must be taught that any power that they actually gain in the real world albeit not through magical means, has to be in service of others, right? So even if you're not doing it through a magical sense, if you get anything in this life, you need to remember that your number one role, you need to remember that your number one role in society is as a caregiver of other people. So therefore, you cannot do so selfishly. Yes. Oh, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Raven doesn't get to like create, she doesn't get like the spaghetti chef. She just gets a constant influx of anxiety about trying to prevent disasters to like help her friends and family. And like she, this girl is like worried about her dad's career um, and like him getting a bad review at the restaurant. But I had a vision that the chill grill was gonna go out of business. No, this is dad's dream, he loves this place. Exactly, that's why we have to do whatever it takes to keep it from happening. And so like this teenager Mm -hmm. is having to like try to save her father's career. This teenager is having to like uh, deal with just all kinds of things like injuries to her classmates. Yes. Um, and it's it's just a lot to deal with. She yeah. gets none of the perks and all of the responsibility. And she can't control it, right? It's a complete yeah. like third party entity just like beaming these things into her brain. And so she has essentially this curse that occasionally has benefits to it, but it's ultimately a curse that everyone around her has like gaslit her into believing is some sort of power and therefore they've made her responsible for them yeah just the emotional labor the physical labor that she has to do just um because she feels it is her moral responsibility to do something she has just been like drafted by the cosmos to (laughs) do these things it's just keep her dumb white friend alive 
<laughs> yeah, th- th- she never gets to see what the lottery numbers are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's never good. It's never yeah. good. It's always, oh, guess she broke that bird statue. Yep. <laughs> she broke the vase, or even. <laughs> How trolly is that? There is clearly, like, an entity behind these visions, like, pressing the button and, like, just hating Raven. Yeah, okay, so somebody Raven hates Raven. Got, Raven was standing next to her friend's statue, and she gets a vision <laughs> of the statue falling over and crashing and breaking into a million pieces. And then she's like, oh, I just had a vision of the statue falling over. And as she's explaining it, she knocks it over. This vision caused the thing to happen. Yep. Yep. She yeah, does not have a matrix, gift. She has baby. a curse. It's the Matrix base. <laughs> like, it's exactly what it is. She No, Raven is very much cursed. Um, and she consistently has to use the, the power. <laughs> she's just like a Cassandra, but every goddamn day. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true one thing i did want to talk about with um uh professor hodel's dissertation um i also i was just able to skim it because i discovered it like two hours before recording and it's 137 um, and, pages work yeah girl. um and so i just found a section that i was just going to settle in i was going to see what that's about and i it was a fascinating <laughs> like take on like the historical context of like disney and like feminism disney is always like a has a weird relationship with like uh women in power like it's disney loves to hate a witch yeah it's like a rorschach thing a lot like I don't know. There's like lots of debate about like, okay, so Ariel, yeah, she gave up, she literally gave up her voice to be with a man, but she also was like shirking her society to, uh, and like choosing her own goals. And then like, it, and it's that, that's just Disney bullshit. That's like, it's so Rorschachy <laughs> and like, you know, it's kind of fucked up, but you can kind of see some good in there. Yeah, um, and you grew up with it, so you're just kind of sentimental about it, anyways. And uh, also, but... um, and also, media targeted for girls and um, like aimed especially at young girls is dismissed as well and treated ten times more harshly in criticism. And so, you also have the conflicted feeling of like maybe it doesn't have a great message, but it gets beat up ten times harder, and like you 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 still like it. You still like the girly, sparkly princess dress. Yeah, and yeah. now you've been given a complex about it because there is so much conversation targeted at things girls like. It's like pathologizing it for sure. Uh, so in uh, the history section of this dissertation, Professor Hodel goes through it. And I just want to call her Christina because we would be, we'd be friends. Girly, <laughs> girly Dr. Hodel. Um, I know you're not listening, but. Can we call you Christina? Can you We're be on our call podcast? You Christina. We could probably get her. On we could get podcast. her on the podcast. Let's I like it. honestly, we found the we found the dissertation too late. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we'll put you on. Well, you're spiritually on it right now. I, honestly, I think we can call her Christina. I think she would let us. Okay, Christina. Um, she had this great history section. I will focus on the immediate context of the early 2000 Disney shows and like how Christina frames it. Yes, take she... me on a journey because I did not read 137 pages of dissertation. <laughs> um, I was watching Small Wonder in the car on the way home 
from lunch. You were operating a vehicle? No, my husband was driving. Okay. Which it's a weird thing to know that like you're on the highway, you're watching Small Wonder. And anytime you get in the car, right, there's 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 possibilities for catastrophe. So there's a small there's a small possibility where the last moments of my life were spent watching Small Wonder. And I think that means you automatically go to hell just because of the you energy that it's giving off. You have to. You it is hell. Like yeah. it feels like a portal into another dimension. Where there is so only pain. Weird. It's just a liminal <laughs> space. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Back so, to back to our girly. <laughs> I can't wait till we get to small wonder. We're gonna pop off. Christina uh, sets up this like context of she talks about the Riot Girl movement, uh, which is sort of like this punk feminist movement it has a strong relationship with third wave feminism. Um, it's sort of like this underground scene that kind of started in the Pacific Northwest. And um, they, you know, and it, it's like a punk take on feminism and like intersectionality. And it's like talking about like rape and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like periods and just kind of like an anti-shame sort of thing. And just like everything that like the patriarchy is trying to suppress, they were loudly screaming um, and uh, defiance of it has a, a, an aesthetic that we're all familiar with. Um, it's been very much like uh, hot topic sized, um, but a lot of like your stereotypical punk thing. It was like Riot Girl, um, and Christina uh, like charts the relationship between um, Riot Girl and just kind of the aesthetic of early uh, two thousand Disney heroines and things like Lizzie McGuire, That's So Raven, and Wizards of Waverly Place, and <laughs> Hannah Montana. Um, where it's like the Disneyification of uh, Riot Girl, where it's like all these pink clashing patterns and like loudness, that sort of like very patented, like often made fun of aesthetic that was going on, just like accessory after accessory um, and it, having this relationship. And like what they Disneyified about the aesthetic, they also Disneyified uh, like the ideology of Riot Girl which is, and turned it into something called girl power, which I talked about a little bit in the Sabrina episode, um, this commodification um, of feminism. Let's not where, forget like, uh, in the girl power episode, uh, you consistently refer to it as flower power. I did. Accountability here, folks. And girl so, power. Um, girl girl power. power being like this Disney-fied riot girl where it had uh, a similarity with the aesthetic and it was talking about like um, feminine power, but feminine power often expressed through commodities and consumerism and just being associated with like a certain like, accessories you could buy from Claire's. Uh, <laughs> you, get, you can get this look, you can get this Lizzie look, you can get this uh, Raven look at the mall. And mm-hmm. very much being associated with like a commercial because all Disney shows are a commercial for like the Disney verse. They don't have actual commercials. The whole thing is a commercial and it's power that it's like selling, but a power that has been very much negotiated with and winnowed down into like neoliberal consumerism. Uh, I am powerful because I am a good consumer and I buy all these like fashionable things. And, um, but at the end of the day, these 
these uh, properties always reinforce the message of you need to take your natural place in the world. Like I have power, I'm just not going to use it. <laughs> so you're telling me that if I wear butterfly clips from Claire's, that I'm not fucking powerful. Fuck off. I listen. It's I'm not pathologizing anybody's shopping habits. <laughs> I'm just saying what Christina's saying. <laughs> I'm still fucking punk with my Claire's butterfly clips. Listen, Claire's is a cool store, and I wanted to shop there when I was a kid. They but... had uh do you remember those jelly bands that you could get? And like the different colors would mean like sex things you the would sex do. Bracelets? Oh my the god, boys my mom snap them. went on Ooh, a I holy got crusade about them. Oh yeah. Well they I got them from Claire's and I'm gonna tell you right now, they made me feel very powerful. And if I wore the black one, I felt pretty punk. Yeah. I'm so, not prepared to do sex if you snap this. So <laughs> I was not prepared and I would not have, but I felt I was living my Avril Lavigne fantasy. Uh, my mom, she found out about the concept <laughs> and she just would write and call any <laughs> official in our school district who was willing to listen to her <laughs> uh, to like launch a crusade against these sex bracelets we need to stop sex bracelets <laughs> it is an epidemic just because jessica uh, my sister came home with them one day you know your mom is a a woman's heart is a is as deep of a, as an ocean and and your mom i feel like she's just a complex woman who's full of many a contradiction yeah this is absolutely true. <laughs> Full of many a contradiction. <laughs> I love hearing every story I hear about your mom. Just adds, if we're building, we're putting a new layer onto the character study. <laughs> Continue. I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean to undercut the good doctors. Um, no, I think I was winding down. And so that's it. It's just like this very commodified version of feminine power. Yeah, distilled into things you can buy. Girl power being like a catchphrase. Girl power being something that you put on your backpack. Something that you, you can watch yeah. on the Disney Channel. Yeah. Also, coupling that with uh, messages about needing to take your natural place in the order. Like right. Hannah Montana it's a, it's is a relatively famous. superficial version of girl power, right? Yeah. Because at the end of the day... Um, the girl power is like, we have a show that is centered on us and is talking about and two girls power, but there's nothing about what the show is telling you in terms of what those girls do and the lessons that they are taught that teaches you really anything other than sort of like the hegemonic, uh, definitions of femininity and their quote unquote natural or true place in the world. Yeah, mini cul-de-sac. I'll be real quick. Um, there, If y'all want a good book recommendation that is very much in conversation with this trope, um, The Power, extremely good. It, like The premise is that suddenly, just like one day, all women have like electricity powers. Like they can zap people to death and men do not have it. And so it is literally just like documenting the societal collapse of like the patriarchy. Um, and just like step by step, like within two weeks, um, they say that like boys are starting to wear more feminine clothing to associate themselves with power. Um, and just like it, it 
very much is like an anthropology about just how the polar <laughs> shifts happen because suddenly any woman can just fucking kill you and so suddenly there's men are afraid and it, it's just so good and read it i think they're making a show about it nice Anyways, uh but and that's that's what these shows are afraid of that women if they have power they'll um They'll destroy the patriarchy. So please, girls, you are so powerful. Girls. You are so, so powerful. Please do not use that power. Please do not use it. Uh, isn't that boy cute? <laughs> isn't that boy cute? Okay, Jessica, okay. is it time? She's a small wonder. It's time. God damn. So we move on from the idea that girls can have power, but they should sort of choose to be normal to removing all agency from our yeah, girl. Yeah, this is a very different <laughs> show that requires its own quarantined section to make sure that it does not infect the rest of the podcast. My God. These are uh, we are safety talking measures. Small wonder. Yeah, we have to yeah. corner Vicky off in a small little room. Because again, we've moved so far beyond the idea of like, okay, these girls are powerful. They have the power um, and they do have agency to choose to do with that power what they wish. But we sh they, the universe wants them to or directs them towards using their power in a very specific way, right? Using their power to serve others unselfishly um, and to want to desire a normal life without powers, even though they, they want to have the powers in private for themselves. In Small Wonder, we have a robot girl, Vicky. And Vicky does have a lot of powers. She is super strong. She is super fast. Um, she can make technology do anything that she wants it to do. Um, she can essentially solve any math problem or computing problem automatically, right? So she's a very useful appliance, but she is an appliance. And so we've removed all agency from our girl when it comes to the world of small wonder. She has yeah. become a literal object that sleeps in a cabinet and is that is like turned on, turned off and rebooted at will. Yeah. Um so interesting. Again, so they blur this line so much. It is never the fact that she is not sentient is never questioned in the show, as far as I've seen. Like, there is no, like, typical sci-fi, like, flickers of ghosts in the machine kind of thing. Yeah. That's not happening. No, but I mean... they blur no. the line, this is what's dark about this show. So, it's very concrete that this is, this is just an appliance. But, <laughs> so how they choose to blur the line, and where things get interesting is everybody's relationship with this appliance that looks like a little girl. Yes. Um, the mother, there's this one episode, it's very interesting, where this obnoxious neighborhood girl, standard trope, um, she takes Vicky, the robot girl, um, out to her house one day uh, when nobody's looking and sort of teaches her to, quote, be a spoiled brat. I do not have a bed. You're kidding! Where do you sleep? In the cabinet. Oh, you poor kid! Girls should sleep in a bed. I can't believe how mean they are to you. How mean they are to me? Look, there's only one way you're going to get the things every girl needs in life. You're going to have to learn to throw a tantrum. That's not in my memory bank. 
Oh, you're really naive. Watch. This is what a tantrum is. First, you puff up your cheeks and stamp your feet. <gasps> then you scream, I want a bed! I want a bed! I want a bed! But the things that this, and you are meant to hate this little girl. You are meant to the, hate this girl. Yeah, so she's a red-headed, freckled little girl. So already the language, the visual language of the show, they're telling you to hate this girl. But what I will say about this girl in as, as somebody with bangs, you know, I'm a girl with bangs myself, a big fan of bangs. I'm a fringed girl. What I will say about this girl and really of the era is the 80s knew what the fuck to do with bangs. The 80s yeah. knew. Tootie, it was an art bangs form. for days, right? Like bangs were an art. And so this girl, I don't even know how to describe these bangs, except for they go past the ear. The bang is going across the forehead and all the way back to behind the ear is how far the bang line goes. And if you stuck a ruler like through the bang from the top of the bang, like to touch the forehead, I'm guessing about four inches thick of bang on this girl. Essentially, she has like a life raft on her <laughs> head of like hair. Like there's a cl there's. What we're trying to emphasize is that there's a curve to it, folks. There's a volume to it. There's a volume, and it's not an empty volume. It is a dense volume of bang on That her girl forehead. was in hair and makeup for like two hours every day. Yeah, there's a dense <laughs> amount of volume to that that bang. And so, yeah, so she, there were, we're told to hate this girl. And it's not, it's one of those annoying kid characters that not just the kids hate. But there's a special thing that happens in sitcoms where you occasionally get the annoying kid character that all the adults also hate and treat like crap. Yeah. And that is definitely this child in Small yeah. Wonder. Every adult just, is fully bought in on fuck this kid. Yeah. Uh, just the main family um, that has Vicky, they just essentially hate everybody. <laughs> uh, like um they're that it, family they're very much like in hell where the only other people that exist are the neighbors <laughs> like, it's hell. that they hate it's literally just like they are floating in the void yeah um, just like and there are two houses on the street so this bratty girl you're not supposed to like um she gets in a conversation with Vicky and Vicky drops uh, the fact that she lives in a closet and that she doesn't have a bed. She doesn't she have any no possessions. Toys. She has no other clothes than the dress that this girl always sees her in. She has no dolls. She has no stuffed animals. She has no bed. She, she sleeps all, in she a cabinet. She does all the work in the house. She gets no compensation for it. And so justifiably, this neighbor girl, she gets... Like, honey, that's unacceptable. That is unacceptable behavior. She She's too young to realize the gravity of what was just said to her. <laughs> so she sort of like through the filter of a child is like, I'm going to teach you how to get what you want from adults. And <laughs> so she like teaches her the way of being, quote, being a brat, uh, just like throwing a tantrum to get what you want. She shows it with her mom, how she gets the mom to like pay her 50 cents to clean her room. She just negotiates. Vicky then goes home and starts demonstrating these behaviors. While Vicky was gone, the entire house is like panicking and like worrying about Vicky. Can't believe it. My fabulous invention gone. Where can she be? To you, it's just an invention. To me, it's like losing my own little daughter. Yeah, my own little sister. 
I'll never have another one who can live through a refrigerator. And like, where's Vicky? Where's my daughter? The mom says, where's my daughter? Yeah, where's I, my little girl? I think what happens too, there's an exchange about it because the the dad who sort of invented Vicky, he's very upset about two things. His first thought is Vicky is a very expensive object that has gone lost. So it's like, oh shit, all of that money and like the corporate secrets that are Vicky are on the loose. Um, and also too, his second thought again of himself is if like, if she's found, I'm going to lose my job. Nobody can find out about Vicky. Yeah. It's very uh, practical. It is, it's a very practical. It's like somebody sold, somebody stole my corporate laptop. Like yeah. that is the vibe that he is, he is projecting. And the, 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 the mother character says something along the lines of to you, she's a robot, but to me, it's like my own child has gone missing yeah so so she does the panic and like shows all this like quote love that she has for vicky when vicky's missing and then vicky comes back and she like shows the brat behaviors that she was taught and she like starts parroting them because again what's so fucking weird about this show is the show never errs from the fact that this is an appliance there's no yeah. thoughts happening in the noggin no it is it is you know when i think of what vicky how vicky communicates it's you know to be a woman is to perform didn't i do it for you This is the distillation of the idea that to be a woman is to perform. Didn't I do it for you? Because literally Vicky takes in what is said to her on what other people ask her to do or is said to her as like a behavior she should exhibit and she parrots it directly back literally. So the little yeah. girl said, do this, this, and this. And so Vicky went and performed. To be a woman is to perform. Didn't I do it for you? And, that and that's what's so fucked up and dark about this. <laughs> that is what's so because... fucked up and dark. Because I, I know what you're going to say next. And I'm like buzzing. Okay. So uh, she performs the, film. she just parrots these brat behaviors. Just like an algorithm <laughs> performing it. Um, and then the mother, within two seconds of getting this undesirable behavior from, quote, her daughter, um, is just like, oh, can you just wipe her memory and circuit board and yeah, like, she's do a do-over? This is fantastic. It just proves that if a robot hangs around a human little girl like Harriet, it'll pick up the characteristics of that human little girl. How can you say human and Harriet in the same breath? <laughs> I think it's going to be real interesting to observe this for a day or two. Okay, Vicky, go to your room with Jamie. No, 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 no. <laughs> I won't go unless you pay me 50 cents. Ted, you really got to reprogram her. She's tainted. This is She's the perfect now. daughter that I wanted. The perfect silent, only when spoken to, cleans the entire house for me daughter with no sort of want, desire, or need of her own that I had become accustomed to. Wiper. The second she was like a liability or an annoyance to her, the performance of like sentimentality was done. Just like, yeah, wiper. And shown up, they do. 
Yes. They yeah. just in sitcom fashion. They're just like they just wipe her. Yep. Just wipe her. And she's okay, done. bad behavior is gone. She's our little girl again. We love her. Yes. <laughs> we, it's a very conditional love that they have for Vicky, uh, which isn't love, right? Like it's, a, but it's a very conditional set of parameters where, like, Vicky must do this, this, and this. She must behave in a certain way, and that way is she must always be pleasant. She must always be submissive. She must always literally serve others. She is completely an appliance. Anytime she is using her power, it is in service of others. It is to lift up the couch to clean. It is to, you know, screw the deck chair back together. It is to pull people out of the pool. Um, She is only allowed to use her power in service of herself and at the specific command of other people. She is a tool. She is a blender. I, I want to, you to put a pin in this relationship between Vicky and the mother because there there's a part two to this. There is a goddamn part two to this. But at first, I want to uh, <laughs> develop the thought that um, what this show hammers into you again and again is that this child is loved as a girl and a woman um and like people are able to like have friendships and emotions with this girl who is again not a girl uh like she's not just silicone and like in like a doll dress and uh made to look like a girl and literally it is the performance it is that performance of uh femininity it is uh if to be a woman is to perform didn't i do it for you Vicky is just the performance with yeah. no interior monologue. And that is sufficient for this family. It is very um, sufficient because they're not really interested even in what Vicky actually has to say or anything like that, right? They are interested in Vicky insofar as she is um, she is fulfilling something in them, whether that be a task that they need to have done or some sort of like weird emotional outlet. Or yeah. for the husband, like some sort of scientific breakthrough that she represents. And so I want to talk about Smart House, the uh, made-for-TV Disney Channel original movie Smart House. Ben Cooper has just won a computerized home for his family. We won? Complete with a cyber housekeeper programmed by the clever inventor Sarah Barnes. Mm. But when dad starts dating her, emotions run haywire. I don't want anyone to get the idea that we need a new mom. And Ben's not the only one threatened. You can't be our mother, Pat. You're not real. So? Now this smart family has to pull together to deprogram a very smart house. It's Disney Channel's original movie, Smart House. Tomorrow at 8, 7 central on Disney Channel. I love it. I have not seen it since about 2007. Maybe. That is a kind <laughs> estimation. So let's hear it. So Smart House uh, stars Katie Seagal as the titular Smart House. This family um, with, that the mother has recently died, they win a contest um, and they get like this futuristic brand new house um, that is has like an AI, has a 
extremely powerful Alexa, just integrated into every aspect of this home. So she's not only just like the thermostat and like the lighting and stuff, she can make you dinner. She can mm-hmm. like, just like lower down an elevator on the kitchen counter and then yeah. like raise the elevator back up. And she is like a full cooked meal. She can do anything for you. She can like vacuum just by like sucking stuff into the carpet mm-hmm. um, and like do virtual reality with the kids to keep them like entertained. And so this, this, this movie poses a very interesting dynamic in the first act of the movie. Mm-hmm. which is the, this mother has recently passed away and there's this absence and they're talking about, you know, they're emphasizing the absence that they feel of this mother. And they are given this sort of like Vicky performance uh, to be a woman is to perform. Didn't I do it for you? And so it's just like the artifice. There's no internal monologue. She's just doing the things and fulfilling the labor that a mother would. Um, And like fulfilling that gap. And everything is going great. These kids are happy. It is like good to go. Like if the movie ended there, like no complaints. Like (laughs) it it would be fine Um, if, if, if that fucking AI had stayed in her lane. (laughs) and just done the fucking work then it would have been fine but this ai falls in love with her family and begins to feel that because i'm doing all this labor that is of a mother for this family maybe i I feel like i am a mother of this family i crave this role i want to be loved by you and i want to love you as a mother because i'm doing this labor for you and so like and so she becomes sentient I have worked my microchips right down past the silicone for you people. And this is how you repay me? Pat, take it easy. Easy. You think I wouldn't rather be taking it easy? But no. I'm too busy keeping up with the Coopers. Slaving away in a hot control room. Doing homework. Throwing parties. Keeping schedules. Making your lives perfect. So you can bring another woman into my domain? I don't think so, mister. And she watches a bunch of sitcoms of mothers to learn how to be a mother. And she like creates a hologram and we finally get to see Katie Seagal and like full 1950s housewife, um, like big Bob, the same hair. She brought the wig from. She she brought her own wig. Yeah. (laughs) It's such a fascinating thing that like kids are never going to pick up on. Um, But like the, (laughs) like casting Katie Seagal in this is so fascinating because like the whole point of Peg Bundy is that she is like not the perfect sitcom mother. Which yeah, is like such just, a like foreshadowing for like where this episode is or where the uh, painting was such is interesting colors, but where they land on it is so <laughs> fuck wild. Like there is such this could have been like an amazing movie that like changed lives. Like because they're running <laughs> up to something interesting, aren't they? Like you have all these different pieces of like I'm doing this labor and now I want to be the mother. I want the emotional aspect of this. I want you to value me. and then where do they where do they land it zachary and so the family perceives this as her going quote haywire and like she's defective now very vicky like second that this ai has any kind of demands on them she's no Mm -hmm. longer interested in uh, in fairness she does like uh go a little crazy like literally put them on lockdown um because of like a a a fight that they have so not cool no you can't do that (laughs) 
There's um, some violation going on. Yeah, there's a violation there. You, you just can't do that. But it escalated from the conflict of, no, I'm sorry, your sudden desire <laughs> to like be uh, seen as a person is unwanted. And so the happy ending that they land on, like the final scene of now everything's groovy, we've resolved the conflict, um, is this character that I haven't mentioned, the programmer um, of the AI. Um, she like falls in love with the husband. And so like, she's the new mom and she is just being served by this AI who is sentient and loves this family, but is just doing the labor part like she is there to just like be present and do the labor and shut the fuck up that's what they land on and it's so so dark to be a woman <laughs> is to perform and didn't i do it for you yeah so very vicky like very like that scene of your we just want the labor we yeah. just want the performance we don't yes. we don't actually want Yes. Anything You're, needy like that. Like the best thing that a woman can be is um a like pleasant but ultimately uncomplicated servant who like performs the manual labor and often emotional labor yeah. uh for a family but needs nothing in return. Right. And this is often the, 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 this is often the weight that we put on mothers. Right. Mm -hmm. So, house is saying some very like interesting things about like what it is to be a mother because this is often the feeling, I believe. I'm not a yeah. mother myself, but I'm at the age where I know quite a few mothers. And this, it quite often is the feeling of what is required of women um, when they have a family. Yeah. And it's, it so is very Vicky like. But obviously, Vicky's not. It's even more fucked up because Vicky is a child robot. Yeah, like, that's what I'm getting to. So, like, so that's Smart House. That is like the idea I, of. I do want to say one thing before we move away from Smart House. Zach, I know you're a very, like, you're a very special type of man when you want to bring in another text about, like, AI and sentience and performance of womanhood and you choose smart house and not her <laughs> like you, are, you are absolutely a very special perfect little type of man who would make that choice ladies ladies a wonderful test on a, get you when, this type of man when you're on a date is somehow working the idea of like AI sentience and the performance of womanhood. And if he brings up her, no second date. If he brings up Smart House, second date. That is the only, only test you need. Yeah, that, that'll, that'll get the job done. <laughs> I feel like her would, if I threw that into the conversation, it would, this would add a whole other hour onto it because that's pretty complicated too. It's a but, complicated text, but I do love, I love that you were like, you know what the right conversation is here? Smart House. We gotta talk, we gotta talk about Smart House. <laughs> uh, so 
please, please connect it back in the, to small wonder. I am happy to go to that part of the conversation, but it, it, it needed to be called out that you're just a special, <laughs> you're a special little guy for that. I'm movie. a special little boy. <laughs> um, so developing the same so we have smart house like showing it's like an example of like the robot mother like the performance of the mother without any sort of internal activity as being what's desired and any sort of internal activity is right. liability um any needs are a liability and so i i was sitting around i'm thinking about what my takes are gonna be i'm looking at i got my stove on and i'm stirring the pots like what are my hot takes gonna be and i do some googling some cursory like because i know there's been discourse out there about like um robots being used as a metaphor for ob objectification of women like that's not that, that's not new yeah <laughs> we've all seen it, austin powers yeah i mean it's it's very right trope of just like it's both used as like a feminist symbol of just like uh stefford wives being like this is bad and then it's also just straight up doing it <laughs> and like um sexualizing it like west world just being like oh great so i can i can literally sexually assault this yeah i can commit brutality like to it because it's not real it's not real so even though it looks very, very real. Um, Feels very real. That's the joy. Yeah, that's the that's pleasure. Fine. But so I was Googling, but the key words uh, were like drowned out by this like <laughs> online discourse about the morality of like literal, you can buy it right now, sex bots. Um, and that was so chilling because I had just been creeped to the fuck out about. Um, yeah, because uh, Small Wonder is creepy enough in this regard. Like literally, I was I was like had small wonder playing, and then like I was googling these keywords, and I couldn't get a combination that was giving me anything good because it was just drowned out by hot takes about the morality of set, literal robot right sex. Now, sex bots. So we have in Smart House the the mother robot, and then in this real life we have an actual commodity of the sex bot of uh, the the just a sex object of no internal activity that is a liability also just the sex bot and then we have with vicky the performance of we just want a sweet cute little girl without anything going on inside right and it's just like the literal objectification like completely comprehensive objectification of women this was a bad time it's a weird show to watch yeah it is. that's what it is at the end of the day it's like what does the perfect little girl object look like where there's no complication like the neighbor character that child has independent wants and needs and is able to argue with their parent and go back and forth and negotiate the universe hates them yeah and that's too much we don't like that we don't want that for our little girl. So we will literally wipe her and start over again. No real problem with disassembling and reassembling. And it's so weirdly messed up because like the mother who has this like warped sense of affection for the robot child asks for her to be wiped because she's misbehaving, but then is squeamish at seeing her disassembled to be yeah. taken back to the what? laboratory. 
Which again, it's the dissonance of like these horrific images and concepts, like with three layers, like the maximum 100% sitcom filter on of just like we are seeing a disembodied little girl in a suitcase, like literally woman in refrigerator. Um, and like we're, we see that image and it's just like, well, that's a little weird. And the laugh, 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 laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, it's just, there's something chilling, like incredibly chilling about this little girl actress who is forced to talk in like monotone and keep an, in, like, an impeccable poker face of just like this dead face yeah. in every one of her lines that makes the show it like, the only way I can describe watching Small Wonder is that there's just like a slightly sinister element to it. It's just, she does like a classic, like if you ask any child to do a robot voice, the actress is doing that voice. She is um, talking like this. But just a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more anger. Here's my headcanon on uh, Small Wonder. In the parallel universe, they have this technology in 1982. <laughs> um, if that that timeline is currently 2023, there the robot revolution has happened and all humans are dead and they fucking deserve it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm team robots. Yeah, uh, team robot on this one. Yeah, the way that yeah the way that they put it together is just so odd. It has like a very so there's a lot of horror movies um, that will like purposefully disorient you as part of the telling of the text so like skinamarink is a good recent one i can think of it follows is very similar if you want to go old school like the exorcist they'll insert like imagery and sounds that are made to unsettle you at like a cosmic primal level and i think that that is the same feeling i got watching small wonder is like what how I feel watching like a horror movie of that sort. Like there's something that puts you on edge about it at a very primal level. Um, I we've evoked, I think, the idea of a horror movie with a laugh track before, but I take it back for whatever I was talking about because Small Wonder is the horror too movie sinister. With a laugh track. It's too sinister. It's it, it, chilling. We haven't even talked about the doll episode. Talk about, let's do it. Okay. So, it, it, because it just feels like somebody in the writing room was making like fucked up art and knew what they were <laughs> doing because they keep veering so much towards like intentionally they're doing the most disturbing thing they could do. In this episode, which is the part two that I referred to before about the relationship between the mother and Vicky, there is a talent show that is just arbitrarily they have to do. And um, all sitcoms must. It is part of yeah, the sitcom I'll, jury duty. You must perform in a talent like, show. <laughs> um, and so there's this talent show uh, for charity. And plan A for the family was they were going to buy this life size clockwork doll that looked like a life size Raggedy Ann. It had like the big key that you turn in the back and it did like a little robot dance. And um, at the last second, the neighbor broke it. And so the mother is like, oh, no, what are we going to do to save the talent show? And <laughs> so sitcom, 100% sitcom. And then she's like, well, there's only one thing I can do. 
is just take off the clothes of this clockwork woman and then so sinister she becomes the clockwork woman and the mother is now dressed as the clockwork woman and then there is this scene set to a laugh track of vicky in the same matching outfit as the mother and they are both doing the robot dance this is the end this is the finale of the horror movie of just like this mother because that says it all folks that's the end that's the thesis of of small wonder yeah to be a woman is to perform to be a woman is to perform yeah i mean like a uh the show destroyed me like the villain girl character destroys the doll right is attempting to destroy the performance of femininity um from our our robots but the mom underpins it right and she becomes like she does the same performance she becomes the the robot if you were asked at like gunpoint to write a sitcom about a robot girl 99.9% of the population, they're going to write a story about the girl learning what it is to become human. Correct. But small wonder works in the other goddamn direction. (laughs) Yeah, it's the mother taking her rightful place as also a robot. She becomes the smart house mother. It's small wonder is a weird show, but you guys should all watch it. Should watch it. It's so good. Please. End my torment. Please, um, please let us out of this. I only house. have seven days left. Let us, I'm still. I just feel haunted. It's just. It's like watching like the quality too because it's hard to poor find people. We told we promised you that so Raven, and we're ending it on just like the darkest fucking. But it's like here's the thing, guys. The foot like small wonder is relatively hard to find. You can't like stream it. You have to watch it on YouTube. And it's like grainy ass quality footage that makes you feel like the sound is just like this is really clearly ripped from somebody's VHS that they just like taped it and then digitized it. And so like the sound is a little like tin canny and a little bit off in the syncing and the quality of the image is gritty. And it's like watching like fucking crime scene footage like that is the quality. It's so uncanny. Like. It's Uncanny Valley char- sitcom. Yes, that's yeah. what it is. The the father character is so profoundly unkind and um, just regularly as a laugh line more than any other show I've ever seen uh, mentions spanking, threatens spanking to her children. Our favorite robot strikes again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, honey, I'd spank her, but I don't want to break my hand. Like, leave yeah. it to Beaver. Nah. But, uh, Small like, wonder. every like, fucking every episode, they're just like, oh, well, someone's getting a spanking. Ha, Again, ha, 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 ha. There's nothing that I'm gonna, like, I'm never gonna trust you if of your own volition, apropos of goddamn nothing, you use all of your technology and resources to build and privately keep a like perfect robot little girl. You've lost and then you all spank her. trust. And then you spank her. You know, it's you not working. You created for us. her. She doesn't have free will. You created this situation. You created oh the situation God. where I'm the child's haunted. Being I'm like 
I'm haunted. Um, this was an interesting, it was an interesting time. Um, I think we literally went to hell and back. I just feel like I've been to this unsettling liminal space of television that's going to live in my mind for the rest of the, time. Unless, unless one of you watch it, please God, watch it. These three most recent episodes, I feel like I'm just going to always remember them as like our weird three trilogy. <laughs> Of just we were feeling we were feeling loose for a while. We were feeling loosey goosey, but I think that wraps it up. Zach, anything else to say to our dear lovelies? Listen, thank you for listening. Thank you for this uh, listening to this Dante's Inferno uh, <laughs> style podcast about uh, powerful girls. I'm sorry we tricked you into thinking we were going to talk about Wizards of Waverly Place, and uh, <laughs> and then we spent at least half the episode on Small Wonder. A show you probably haven't even heard about until you started this thing. (laughs) (laughs) We just had to unburden ourselves. Yeah. We've been had to pass the curse off long to you. So be sure to uh, check out our TikTok, our threads, our Instagram. Yeah. Oh, I was going to pitch something to you, Zach, to to get people more excited about going to our Instagram. I was thinking on Saturdays before we release our new episode, I will release the episodes we watched for the new episode so folks have time to go watch it themselves for oh. the Monday release. Yeah, little sneaker peekers. Little yeah, sneaker peeker what our... the topic would be. And you get <laughs> the episodes that we watched for in preparation so that you can go and watch them yourselves. Watch along at home. So follow us on Instagram. And I don't have time to do it tonight, but for next week's episode, I will post everything that we watch so you can watch it too. Oh, another P- PSA. Um, okay, folks. So for my birthday, I'm forcing Jessica to do an episode on um, like comparing international versions of the Golden Girls. And but here's the thing: that shit's hard to come by. Like full episodes of the Dutch version of Golden Girls. I don't have. They're not putting that up on uh, Netflix. <laughs> so right. um, if listen, I see the stats. There are three Dutch people that regularly download this podcast every episode. Can one of you please <laughs> like email us and give us the hookup? And it's true for like, listen, if you live in um, another country, that's not the United States, and you have like a local Golden Girls, let us know about it and try to get us that hookup if you can. Maybe a little yes. bit of uh, there was... international piracy. <laughs> There was definitely also somebody on TikTok who commented once, Zach, you have to hunt it down. But he commented that he did like a college dissertation on like international versions of the Golden Girls. <laughs> so you're gonna have to find him. All right. Well, now I got work to do, folks. Zon on at gmail.com. Uh, remember, folks, um, stay safe out there. Yeah. Thank you for being a friend, you know? Because it was all. Because it was on, because it was on, because it was, because it was on, 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 rate, review, and subscribe to, because it was on. Whoop, 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 whoop.